Turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. And today we're going to cover verses 11 through 16, hopefully. I have three points in this two-hour sermon that I'd like to try to accomplish. But by the help of the Lord, we will get as far as we can. There really are three points in the message, and I don't know that I even need to preach the last one. Last Sunday, we covered verses 4 through uh, 7, which talked about Paul being chained to Jesus Christ. And when we are bound together with Jesus, we are also bound together with each other. That's the message. And so what we believe matters because we have one Lord that we are bound to. We have one faith that has saved us in that bound relationship with Jesus. We have one baptism that has said to the whole world as an act of obedience, this is our identity, this is who we are. We are gospel believers in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is through all and in all things. And in Greek it says, panta in panta. God is through and in all things. And so God is working through the body of Christ, you and me, who are believers in Jesus, to accomplish a purpose that he started before he even laid down the architectural drawings of this world that he created. You're part of that plan. Isn't that amazing? That's a huge concept. We'll see if we can grab a hold of it a little bit. Before we start reading, verses 8 and 9 talk about a king going out to war and winning the battle and coming back to town. And as he came back to town, news traveled quickly that he won the battle. And as he came back to battle, he brought the spoils of war, the spoils of victory. And with it, he fed the, the, the city. He, fed the, he took care of the people. He took care of their needs when he defeated the enemy. And Paul said, this is what Jesus has done for us. He has descended from heaven. He has been crucified on the cross. He has been buried in the grave. He has been raised from the grave. And now he has ascended back into heaven where he came from in eternity past. This bell of coming down and going back up is the gospel story. It's the incarnation of Christ. It's the crucifixion of Christ. It's the resurrection of Christ. And then the ascension of Christ. And then there's going to come one more. What is it? The return of Christ. And we need to be ready when he comes. And are you ready? Because he is coming. Now Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus. He had spent two years there. He wanted to come back, but he couldn't get there because he was bound in Rome in prison. And he was unable to attend, so he sent this letter to the church at Ephesus. And he wants them to hang together until Christ returns. Just like he wants Ekron to hang together until God can accomplish what God wants to accomplish through our congregation until Christ returns. Our job is never done. Our job is never done. The Great Commission is never over or complete. But this is how we do it. Speaking of gift giving, as the king gave gifts to 
the church, to the city. Our Savior Jesus Christ has given, according to the Holy Spirit, a measure of gift to every believer and has placed us here in something called the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Some of us are the ear. Some of us are the eye. Some of us are the little toe. Uh, all kinds of places we fit. We're not all the same. We're not all the same. And God's not looking for uniformity that we're all the same. God is looking for finding where you belong in the chain gang. We're a family kind of like a chain gang. We're a family kind of like a body. We really are the body of Christ. And so with that image as a background, we read verses 11 through 16. Let's go ahead and put that on the board. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Now those two words really go together because there's an article that connects the two in the Greek text. There are some pastors that teach well and there's some teachers that pastor well. There's all kinds of pastors in the world. We'll talk about that in, in just a moment. But why, do you, why does the church have the apostles? And there are no more of the 12 apostles, but the word apostle means sent or sent out. And that's a mission, on mission expression about what God is doing in our life. There are prophets in the church. These are not fortune tellers or future tellers. They are forth tellers. Forth tellers. There are evangelists that are gifted to do evangelism, that are a gift to the churches. And then there's guys like Brother Tom, that God gave him an assignment when he was 16 years old to preach the gospel. And it took, and when I was 19 years old, the context of the local church. And a little congregation called Mill Creek Baptist Church while I was in college, 45 miles away, drawing, driving an old Volkswagen, 1968 Volkswagen, put up with me for a little over a year. I'll never forget those people. Pastors and teachers, why did God give us these assigned church leaders? Well, that's the next verse. For the equipping of the saints. My role as your pastor is to coach, to equip, to train. The equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Pastors, and every member of the church, are laborers together with the Lord. And that, what, that's what, that image hooked my uh, curry imagination about Labor Day weekend. Well, here it is, Labor Day weekend. And Paul says, For we are his fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. We are co-laborers with Christ. Hence, the title of the message, Laborers, Labor Day, get it? Isn't that creative for a guy from Louisiana? <laughs> Laborers together with Christ. To equip the saints. Who are the saints? Saints are the holy ones. Anybody a saint in here? Raise your hand. If you're a believer, you're a saint. You are made holy because the Holy One lives in you. Not because of any effort on your part or earning on your part, but because the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, lives in every believer. 
How long do we do this? How long are we on this journey? Verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Who is that? Jesus. To a mature man, a mature woman or a mature man, like the, ma the man Jesus Christ, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I'm not there yet. Are you? But that's where I'm headed. I want to be more like Jesus every day. I want to live up to that standard, and I fall short every day. And I thank God for His grace and His mercy that lets me start over every day. Verse 14, what's the outcome of all this? As a result, we are no longer to be children. You know, kids are naive when they're very young. They get into things they shouldn't get into, and they need guidance. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I've been on a boat out in the lake when I wished I had been back on the shore. I'd rather be on the shore wishing I was out on the boat than on the boat wishing I was out on the shore. And I have certainly flown an airplane when I was up in the sky facing turbulence like what came through last night. And when you're up there, you wish you were down here. And I was a kid thinking I would rather be here. I would rather be up there than down here. But I have found out I'd rather be down here wishing I was up there than up there wishing I was down here. You see what challenges can do to your attitude and change your perspective? So we're no longer to be children. We are moving from childhood, feed me, take care of me, feed me, take care of me mentality to mature adulthood where we serve like a deacon serves with a towel. We don't need a bib anymore, but we carry a towel to serve others. So we're not tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. There are people out there who are trying to trick you and me into following their false teachings. And there's deceitful scheming, deceitful scheming in this world. It is a bad world, it is a cruel world, and it is a good world at the same time. And Christians need to be mature enough and have a discerning mind so that we can distinguish between what is trying to eat us alive and take advantage of us and how we can really contribute to the world around us. Verse 15, and I'm going to speak more about this next Sunday. Speak the truth in love to one another, he says. Here he really is talking about gospel truth. To be able to understand as a mature person means we understand gospel truth. And to be able to speak that into the lives of each other. Well, that's a huge challenge for me. That's a huge challenge. Verse 15 says we're to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head. He's not talking about I grow up in all aspects. He's talking about the church growing up in all aspects so that we use our spiritual gifts and when the joints work right, the body feels good. But when your back hurts you all the time, like mine does when I try to lay down at night, I can hardly sleep. You know, back pain will keep you awake a long time, won't it? Some of you know what I'm talking about. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Please, you don't want to be like me. 
And please, you don't want to be like anybody else in this church. Please, you want to be like Jesus. That's our goal. We want to be like Jesus. Verse 16, here's what the head of the church, Christ, our Savior and our Lord, here's what he does for the congregation as we grow together. From the whole body being fitted and held together, God places us where he wants us according to our spiritual growth. And so there's harmony here. There's union here. Being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Um, I had a meniscus tear, meliteal collateral, collateral ligament, which is the one on the side of the knee. It fell in a sinkhole down in, down in LaRue County. Really, I was walking around. We were hunting rabbits. Uh, two other men, I had that barred shotgun, and uh, we're walking around, and, 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 you know, rabbits will run out of uh, little creeks and, and uh, bushes and that sort of thing. So I'm walking along, kicking that stuff, and I kick some tin. Boom, down I went into a sinkhole, stuck that shotgun straight down into the ground, a 12-gauge Browning automatic. You don't do that to a Browning 12-gauge automatic. And I buried that thing down there in the bottom of the hole, and one of the guys says, I looked around here, and he said, there was three of us a while ago. I only see two now. That really happened. But Christ puts us together as he wants us to fit. According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of the body of itself in love. The ultimate goal of Akron Baptist Church is to be laborers together with Christ so that we can say, Lord, we love you. We love each other, and we love this community where you have assigned us. Father, guide this message today as we expound on this scripture. Give us, Lord, discernment as we preach and open ears to understand. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what does all this mean? Two or three things. Number one, laborers are called to serve. That's what we discovered in verses 11 through 13. Laborers are called to serve. Us laborers serve according to the measure of how Christ has given grace to each of us. Now God has given you and me more grace to minister with than we can possibly exhaust. You cannot exhaust the abundant grace of God. Paul said where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. But he said, be careful that you not sin in order to get more grace. That's not what he's talking about. He says that you become more aware of your frailties as we become more aware of our shortcomings in ourselves. God's grace, the measure that he's given, is the measure of God's grace coming from heaven through the incarnation, through the crucifixion, through the death, through the resurrection, and then the ascension. Can you measure that grace? Folks, that's the power that is at work in your life and my life. I can't do this. I can't do that. Yeah, you can. We had an airplane mishap up north, Virginia. And I went there, dealt with all the grief in that airplane mishap. And it hooks all my grief. And I told the lead chaplain, I can't do any more of this. And he said, yes, you can. 
and I re-engaged with that family. Sure, by God's grace. You see, it's the grace of God that is greater according to the measure of Christ's gift to each of us. And I've already talked about the descent and the ascent. Well, the one who came from heaven descended to earth and now has ascended back into heaven. So what does all this mean? Well, it means that every laborer has an assignment according to the grace of Christ. And if we've read carefully enough, and I've explained a little bit, the one that we want to talk about this morning is the role of the pastor. What in the world does the pastor do? I remember somebody coming in my office one day, and I had a book I was reading to study for the sermon. And he said, oh, pastor, uh, I see you're not doing anything. I just want to talk to you. Well, there are several images in the Bible to talk about the pastors in the church. Sometimes you'll see here the word pastor, and there's only a couple of times you'll see that particular word. But that word pastor refers to another or is connected to another word in the Bible called under-shepherd, meaning that Jesus, who is the head of the church, he said, I am the good shepherd. Now watch this carefully. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I am your good shepherd, and I have come to lay down my life for the sheep. That means the shepherd lay down in the hedgerow, between the hedgerows, because these sheep were herded into hedgerows, and the shepherd laid down there to protect his sheep. God is our keeper and God is our protector. God provides a crag, the Bible says, like a cliff dwelling the, the Indians had out in the Arizona and that area. God protects you, keeps you saved until you enter his holy heaven. It also means that Jesus deals with us like a shepherd. He said, I call you by name and my sheep follow me. Now, I don't know anything about raising sheep. And we have a sheep herder here in our church, Scott. So Scott will correct me when I get through here. But you have seen many times a picture of Jesus, the good shepherd, reaching down with kindness, gently picking up that sheep out of the bushes and so forth. And that is such a sweet and kind picture of the good shepherd at work. The sweet and kind Jesus came down to me as a 16-year-old boy really first as a nine-year-old boy, and said, come follow me. And then again, he came down to me at the age of 16, there on a dirt road in North Louisiana, and he said, I want you to follow me in this role of preacher, pastor. This image of uh, the shepherd is so sweet and kind, isn't it? But that's not all it is. Joan Chitster, I have to be careful when I say that word, is an activist and theologian who spoke at a church up in Connecticut re recently. And she says, I'm tired of hearing about the kind and gentle Jesus. Because he's, she said, in actuality, being a shepherd is a stinky job. And that's why shepherds were ostracized from the holy and the clean ones in the temple and in the synagogues. And if they got too close... Or if you touched one, the holy people had to go wash their hands before they went to church because they had been unclean 
by the touch of these shepherds that stunk out in the field. And yet, who did God appear to first? Those stinky shepherds and those stinky sheep. And I've come to learn that being a pastor is stinky business. I've come to learn that being a pastor is messy business. I've come to learn that being the under-shepherd of the good shepherd is a great, great joy with great eternal rewards. We can use the word discipleship as a way of expressing that. The Bible calls us to be disciple-makers. My role as your pastor is to lead you to be a disciple-maker. And, uh, and, and to disciple you. And now, now there's an emerging word picture that's describing the role of pastor. And I really like it because it was big when I went to seminary back in the 70s. And now it's being rediscovered again. It's called coaching. Coaching. My role as your pastor is to coach you. Because discipling you is a little bit strong but coaching you coaching each other leaders I, I need to coach you as to who's going to take my place you see if you take a bucket of water and you put your finger in it and then you pull your finger out what happens to the water in there goes back together doesn't it my assignment with you which started a year ago is God's assignment to you God assigned me to Ekron Baptist Church. This is my assignment. But every assignment is temporary. Every assignment is temporary. None of us are here forever. None of us live forever. And the opportunity that God gave me, I remember coming back very well one Sunday and told you all, I just want you to know Linda and I love Ekron Baptist Church. Well, it's the first year in our honeymoon, and you know what I think now? Linda and I love Ekron Baptist Church. That's what we think. We've not changed our mind. I remember very quickly, right after we talked about if I came to the church, I went to the KBC and talked to uh, Don Spencer. I said, Don, I really need help. Hadn't done this in a long time. You know what the first thing was out of his mouth that he voluntarily said? I didn't ask him about the church. I just told him about the church. You know what the first thing he said was? Ekron is a good church. He didn't say Ekron was a perfect church. He didn't say Ekron was a bad church. Quote, unquote, Ekron is a good church. Ekron is a good church. It really is. And uh, I've been with pastors. I've been around with pastors that struggle and struggle and struggle. And Ekron is a good church because God has made you good in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. So as your coaching pastor, one thing I want us to nail down here today is that we are to be faithful in our assignment because Jesus Christ was faithful to us. We all work as God works because he is always at work. God doesn't ask Ekron to be successful. No, no. God is asking us to be faithful. That's what God is asking us. Because when I get to heaven, he is not going to ask me, uh, number one, there's this business model that says, 
here's the vision, here's the target. Now, preacher, go leave us there. And if we don't get there in 10 years, we'll find somebody else. That's a business model. In the church, and there's another model out there, it's just the opposite. By the way, that guy says, okay, there's God the Father, God's Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then there's uh, Christ, uh, and then there's the pastor, and then there's the members of the church. Y'all come follow me. That's a, a central control by the pastor, controlling all things. On the opposite end of that scale is the laissez-faire. Laissez-faire meaning, well, I'm here and I'll preach and whatever y'all want to do, y'all do it. But in the middle, there's this coaching idea where we are laborers together with Christ. And pastors and elected church leaders have particular roles to play in equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So we are to be generous in our giving of ourselves because Christ was generous to us. We are to be humble and we are to be obedient because Christ, the head of the church, was to his father also. Speaking of fathers and dads, dad has said something, my dad said something in my life that's really come back to keep me humble. We have three boys in, in the family. Uh, the oldest was called to preach, be a pastor, and he's still doing it at 75 years old. And then the younger son, still doing it at 68. The middle son serves as a deacon in Abilene, uh, Texas. And uh, Dad really didn't compare us with each other and how we preach, but Dad didn't talk too plain sometimes, and he'd say, Comey, uh, <clears throat> Marcy, he's a pretty good preacher, but I like the way you explain the Bible. And I thought, well, thank you, Dad. You know, you wonder which one the parent favors, right? You know who it is, right? Is it me or the other one? And so this week, I looked up the word splain. Instead of Dad saying explain, I thought he meant explain, but he might have really meant splain. And I looked up the word splain. There is such a word, S-P-L-A-I-N. Splain means, get this, to expand, um, I'm thinking, to explain or comment on something in a condescending, overconfident, and often inaccurate or oversimplified manner. <laughs> Dad, is that really what you were trying to say to me? That I was proud and arrogant and overconfident and really didn't know what I was doing? And that my older brother, who I really always wanted to be like, had his act together and told me, you got a long way to go, son. Isn't that funny? Dad, I'm not sure now which one he meant. I've heard people say to me, Pastor, you had a warm sermon today. And I looked that one up, and that means not so hot, right? But I have come to learn that any pastor, and this may be what's wrong with Southern Baptist top-level leadership that we're going through now, 
I have come to learn that any pastor who is unaccountable to Christ and his church is a misguided soul. Now let's read verses 14 through 16. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking truth and love, the gospel truth and love. We're to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. So labor us together, us labor us together, we face challenges in our service. We're called to serve, yes, but this calling faces, it's not without challenges. I have a minister in mind that I'm going to invite to preach in my absence the last Sunday of October. There are five Sundays of October, and his name is Barry Washington. And I have never met a minister. Now, you've seen Barry's cheesecakes, cheesecakes advertised. He was on WDRB again this past week. He's been on CBS Evening News. Um, the, I'll tell you more about him later, but I've never seen anybody go through what he's going through, and he's still faithful. This passage names two major challenges. One is deceptive doctrine. There are people out there that are trying to make money off the church, and God doesn't approve of that. We hear things like, all religions are the same. That's not right. Children, we hear, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Children of God, we hear, your truth is just as valid as my truth. That there's no absolute truth from the Word of God. People, that's deceptive. You hear, if you are a good person, you'll go to heaven. That's, that's not the gospel. We are all going to the same place anyway. That's not the gospel. Or that the Bible is just one among many other religious books or sources for spiritual development. Folks, that's not right. And another uh, challenge we have is not only deceptive doctrine, but I would call it dependent disciples. He talks about spirituality is growing to maturity from childhood to maturity. And I used to think about growing from childhood to maturity in a physical sense. You age, you get taller, you get handsome, you get pretty, you marry, you get older, and the older you get, the uglier you get, you know. <laughs> it just, and the more decrepit you get, and the older you get, you become another child again. And I'm, I'm not far away from that. I, I think of it physically, that somewhere, where do I fall in that uh, physical, emotional, spiritual development lineage? But it's not a lineage. Did your children grow up at the same time in the same way? Did your children grow up at the same time and in the same way? Not at all. Sometimes I act like a child and throw a temper tantrum. Sometimes I act like a child and expect that people just feed me with my bib on. But as I reflect on how, am I becoming more like Jesus that way, who took the towel and he washed his disciples' feet? I'm trying my best as your pastor every day. It's a lifelong struggle for any pastor, any pastor, any pastor. I don't care who he is, for any pastor to keep growing and maturing. And my commitment to you and to God is to never stop growing. 
Never stop going. Keep learning, keep maturing, and keep growing. Also, growing in speaking the truth, and that's a new challenge for me. Speaking the truth to one another and still loving one another is required in any healthy relationship. Let me say it again. Speaking truth to each other, gospel truth, and still loving one another is required of a healthy relationship of any kind. Boyfriend, girlfriend, friends that hang out at school or whatever, marriage relationships, work, but most certainly and most importantly, the church. Ekron is a good church. Ekron is not a perfect church. You know why we're not a perfect church? Because me and you are here. That's why it's not a perfect church. We are to strive together to be more like Jesus. I found this quote by one of my favorite writers, and I'm going to end the message with this. Paul David Tripp is his name. Hear carefully what he says, and I'll try to go slow. He says, your life is much bigger than a good job, an understanding spouse, and non-delinquent children. In reality, you are part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. What is that? God is saving people, transporting them into His kingdom and progressively changing them into His likeness. And He wants you to be a part of it. Today we give this invitation for you to come to Christ and to join the body of Christ by first of all placing your faith in Jesus and receiving Him as your Savior and your Lord and forgiving you of sin. We call that being saved. We follow through in baptism as an ordinance of the church that proclaims to the world, this is what I believe about the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has no saving merit, but it is according to our current bylaws, and I like the way it says it. There's no saving merit. It's an ordinance that proclaims to the world our faith and what we believe. You're welcome to come and unite with us by statement from a, another congregation, by letter from another Baptist church, or to profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Or to maybe just come and pray if you want to, however God speaks to you. Let's do it now. Join me in prayer as we, would you stand? Lord Jesus, we love you. Help us to love you more. Lord, we are challenged to love as you have loved us and serve each other so that we all become more like you. And Father, I pray that you will conduct this invitation in a way that pleases you because we dedicate to you ourselves. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all who agree said, Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. 
Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.